Hi everyone, welcome back to Hitchcock University where you learn filmmaking from the masters. My name is Taylor Bickle. Last class session we talked about The Apartment and this class session we're going to talk about a movie called 123. 123 is the story of an American Coca-Cola executive who's based in West Germany whose daughter falls in love with a communist. Um, this, uh, this is a really different film um, in many ways. Um, it, first off, let's talk about how it's a little bit different from some of the stuff we've talked about with Billy. Um, you may remember in Some Like It Hot, there's the whole Maraca business that that Billy gave Jack Lemmon to do in order to help time the jokes. Well, Billy did something very different in this film. See, this this film was based on a German play that he saw in Berlin bef long before, I mean, before he left Germany, called Eins, Zwei, Drei, or One, Two, Three. And what stuck in Billy's head was not just the concept of the script, but the lead actor just flew through his dialogue just at lightning speed so that you almost couldn't even tell what he was saying but that speed was what was what billy remembered and so when he decided to adapt this he needed an actor who could give him that speed and the only actor he could think of was james cagney but what that speed does is this and this is what billy says in conversations with billy wilder he says he really had the rhythm, he being uh, uh, James Cagney, Jim Cagney, and that was very good. It was not funny, but just the speed was funny. The speed was very good, how Cagney figured it out. The general idea was, let's make the fastest picture in the world and give the actors, in order to make it seem fast, some slower scenes, too. We did not wait for once for the big laughs. We went through the big laughs. A lot of lines that needed a springboard, and we just went right through the springboard. This is such a different way of doing comedy. This is a lot closer to, to, to some things. Um, like, I think Rick and Morty can be like this in some ways. There's a lot more modern comedies that have kind of come out of this idea of the speed itself is what's funny. And it takes you time to digest what's going on. And you probably don't catch it the first time. Maybe if you rewatch it a second or a third or a fourth time, you start catching things you never heard before. And part of the reason you're catching things is because you're not laughing as hard as you did the first time because, like he says, we went through the big laughs. We weren't timing to the big laughs. He's just going right through them. And and, and he's, he, he even says he's going through the straight lines. He's going right through these springboards that set up the punch lines, right? Just right through them, you know? But that speed is what ends up being funny, which is kind of a different way of doing comedy. Now, that's not the only thing that makes this film different and makes it stand out. The biggest difficulty with this film is it's it's very clearly a movie about Cold War era Germany, Cold War, I mean the whole world, you know, there's this very capitalist, um, communist thing going on and, you know, and you have East versus West and this whole thing and it's all kind of culminates right here, you know, at in, in Germany, you have East and West Germany and East and West Berlin. Let me kind of give you a sense of what was going on. So... The famous gate that would get you from East and West Berlin was the Brandenburg Gate. And there's a number of scenes that take place in the film at the Brandenburg Gate. But it was incredibly difficult to get permission to shoot there, mostly because of the communists. The The East Berlin side, you know, wouldn't was was very very difficult to negotiate with and it took them a long long time just to just to even get permission to shoot in this space not to mention that but they also had weather issues too so that just compounded it so they're finally about to go shoot in this area that they had asked to be cleared you know or at least cleared enough that they could film in and 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 the communists in 
intentionally or unintentionally, ha the, the, the whole gate area is just filled with all these Soviet guards. And so Billy says, all right, whatever. So they, they, they set a camera down and they do a camera rehearsal real quick. And after, right after they do the camera rehearsal and they have things kind of locked in, Billy goes up to one of the guards and tells them, hey, you're in the shot, which doesn't bother me. I'm just afraid that it's going to give audiences the impression that East Berlin is a police state. And in 10 minutes, the whole place clears out. <laughs> but I mean, this is kind of, I mean, these are the things that are going on. Just this, this, this tension that's kind of unspoken, but very palpable between these two, these two ideals, not to mention these two cultures and these two, I mean, empires, really. So there's all this going on. And then this is what Billy says about the film. Because the thing is, is when this film was released, it didn't do very well. This is what he says in, um, in, in the book Billy Wilder interviews under the interview just simply titled, titled Billy Wilder. He says, 123 was a contemporary comedy set in Berlin. But while we were filming there, the Berlin Wall was erected between the eastern and western sectors. When refugees were killed trying to cross from east to west in real life, it made it harder for people to accept a comedy that took place in this setting. Filmmakers are vulnerable to this kind of risk. A situation, a political mood changes in the course of your making a film, and things are not the same by the time you finish the picture as they were when you started. If you write a newspaper piece, it appears the next day. If you write a magazine article, it appears a week from Tuesday. But filmmakers who do a contemporary story have to pray that the situation they are dealing with in the projected movie will still be valid a year and a half in the future. Otherwise, people may say that you are guilty of bad taste in treating a subject that may have been quite different from when you started. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I am I, I, I frequently find myself called to try to do things that are relevant. You know, there are things that happen in real life that I feel I feel an urge to to do something about. And and being being a filmmaker myself, I I, I frequently find myself thinking, oh, I should do you know, I should make a documentary or oh, this would be a fantastic story you know, or whatever, but it is, we need to remember to enter into those cautiously and understand that what we do may not be accepted at the time that we do it, because by the time it's done, the attitudes are going to change. I mean, almost, almost, almost guaranteed they will be different. And there's not a lot you can do about that. There just isn't. And so you have to trust in people and you have to trust in time. Um, and you have to trust in yourself and in your own instincts. Billy Wilder says in the um, in the interview out of out of the book Billy Wilder interviews uh, interview entitled "In Wilder's Wild West." He says, "I've never made a picture which was a lecture. I try to make pictures for entertainment. I think that after you read the papers, listen to the radio, and watch the news on television, you're sick of it. On the other hand, I don't want to make pictures absolutely flat and without any meaning." Whatever meaning you will find in my pictures, it's all put in kind of contraband, you know, sort of smuggled in a kind of message of, I hope, decency, of liberal thinking, whatever you want to call it, or something biting, something satirical, something poking fun at our way of life. But I never set out to just have them sit down and then I blast a sermon at them. I think that the primary objective of my kind of picture is entertainment on a certain level, with a little something to talk about after it. If after they leave the movie house, they spend just half an hour they spend half an hour just talking as to what they saw, and if it makes any kind of indent within the frame of in the frame of the entertainment, I think I have achieved something. And that's the thing is, 
Billy set out to do one, two, three because of the way he saw the Cold War playing at that time. And by the time he got to release the film, things had escalated in a way that, that I don't think anyone really foresaw. But the reason this film lasts is it's not a lecture. <laughs> As he says, it's not a sermon. He's sort of smuggling in this satire into an entertaining film. And his hope is that is that you watch it and maybe spend a half an hour talking about it. And that's about it. It's about all you can hope for as a filmmaker. You're probably not going to change anybody's lives. I mean, as much as we might strive to maybe change someone's life, someone's opinion, someone's way of thinking. All you can hope for is, is that they're entertained by what they see. And, and again, that they just spend some time talking about it. You know, that's about all we can hope for because we never know how the stuff we do is going to land. Billy didn't know that this film wasn't going to do very well. The ironic thing is now it's considered a classic even in Germany. You know, it... it I mean, uh, the first time I heard about this movie was from uh, was was from Martin Scorsese when I was doing that season. He, he has a documentary, um, like, my personal history of American cinema or something like that. Um, and, and what, and, and, you know, and that was the first time I was introduced to this film and I had really had no idea what I was going to see when I sat down to watch it, but I was blown away by it. It's wildly funny. It's very entertaining. And he's right. It's not a lecture. It's not a, it's not a sermon. It's just, you know, some ideas with counter ideas, you know, which is something we could talk about, you know, but but Billy didn't specifically mention it, so I don't want to I want to bring that up right now, you know. But um, you never know how the audience is going to take it, and the only thing you can do is just kind of stick to your guns, and do what you think is right at the time, and that's about it, you know. And 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 I think some of us maybe maybe need to reframe our expectations that if after they leave the movie house, they spend half an hour just talking as to what they saw, and if it makes any indent within the frame of the entertainment. You know, maybe we think we have achieved something. I don't know. It's worth thinking about. Um, that's all I've got for one, two, three. Next up is Irma LaDuce, and then we're going to do Kiss Me Stupid, and then we're going to do The Fortune Cookie, all of which I'm very excited about. Um, I want to thank you all for listening to Hitchcock University. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, suggestions, feel free to email us, um, hitchcockuniversity at gmail.com. There's a Hitchcock University Facebook page, and then, of course, there's Twitter, which is uh, at Hitchcock underscore U. The letter U is in university. Um, thank you again for listening to Hitchcock University, where you learn filmmaking from the masters. My name is Taylor Bickle, and we will talk to you again in two weeks.